You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 1264. But remember, when you close that one deal, and these guys are perfect examples, when you close that one deal, you're not replacing one lead. You're replacing 20 leads. In their business, in my business, you're replacing 30 to 45 leads. So Mm. the engine always is going. We don't shut down this engine because you shut down the engine. I mean, all momentum's lost. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast, America's number one podcast for new real estate investors, where we know that finding discounted properties is the most proven path to financial freedom. I am your host, Brent Daniels, Mr. TTP, Mr. Talk to People, and I am telling you this, if I can do it, so can you. So let's get started. This podcast conversation is going to be absolutely bananas. All right. Let me just set the table a little bit here. Okay. These guys in Jacksonville, Florida started out four years ago, 2017 in Jacksonville. They're now in 12 different markets and basically closing a wholesale transaction, a wholesale deal every day of the year. You know, there's some people that close deals every month. Sometimes people close deals every week. These guys are closing deals every single day. Look at these, this stat sheet, 239 deals closed this year, this year. All right. $2.9 million in gross profits It's absolutely incredible. We're going to deep dive and see exactly what makes these guys tick and how they have, in four years, built this absolute mammoth of a business, this superstar business. I am telling you, it is my pleasure to introduce to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast from Jacksonville, Florida, Dom and G. How are you guys? Hey, what's up, Brent? We're doing well. Good, I'm good excited. Job. You know, before, you know, you got, we went live here. There was about, you know, it looked like 15 people milling around behind you guys there yeah. in your office there. So tell me about you guys. Tell me about your story. Tell me about what's going on behind me. Behind yeah. Me. So really quick, uh, I'm Dom. This is G. What's up, everyone? We started the podcast with you. We scheduled it for 6 p.m. Eastern time because that's the time where our structured workday ends, right? Yep. So we got on a few minutes early. So you saw the team in the background, you know, they were kind of working, wrapping up their day. There's still a handful of people still left around just kind of wrapping their day up. But this way we can, you know, not disrupt the workday, do everything that we've got to do to, you know, work to the fullest. And then now we can spend time hanging out with you for the next hour. Love it. And how many people are in your company? Uh, so right now we have 20 people, 20 on, people. On the team in-house. And then we have nine nine virtual assistants. I love it. I love it. Virtual assistants. And what do those 20 people do for you guys? I don't think they do much. (laughs) G and I rack in all the deals and they're just here for the paychecks. You know what I mean? No, No, man. So we, we have a, we have a great team and phenomenal team. It's taken us, you know, a while to get to where we're at now. And the better 
the team gets, the better the company does, right? And so right now we have, like I said, we have nine uh, virtual assistants. Um, and then this is something that I know you do that we talked about last time. We have three uh, junior acquisition managers, and then we have four acquisition. Four, four senior acquisition managers. Awesome. Right. Yeah. And then the other 13 people in your office, are they making cold calls? Are they doing operations? What are they doing? No. So the virtual assistants do all the cold calling. Okay. We have two acquisition liaisons that okay. are support for the acquisition managers. Okay. Like, assi- like assistants. Yep. So we have a big, big goal, right? Which doesn't always work out this way, but our, we have a big goal so that the acquisition managers don't have to touch the file after they get the contract. Right. So we we want everything taken care of from the point they get the contract on, whether it's, you know, we have a buyer asking how old is the roof instead of the acquisition manager calling to see how old the roof is. We don't need them calling. Right. Or we need to set an appointment to get in. We need to get the lease, whatever it is. We're trying to take that off the acquisition manager's plate. So we have two acquisition liaisons that take care of that. And then we have one disposition liaison they're kind of a a hybrid right now just because it's so easy to sell the deals right now um that the disposition liaison is the one who markets out the properties email blast does all that puts it on the website but now they're also transaction coordinator right so yep so we have the disposition liaison then we have three disposition managers and then one of them they were disposition manager and now they're focusing on JV deals, right? So that's all they do all day is just communicate with other wholesalers. It's pretty cool now because of, you know, here locally, we don't even market out for JV deals. People just call us and they're like, hey, can you do something with this deal? So we had to, you know, put somebody in place to just handle all that, coach people through it. Um, you know, just because with, you know, hundreds, the hundreds and hundreds of deals that we've done, we have a lot of deal experience what to do when the tenant won't let you in, what to do when the seller won't let you in, whatever, right? So we kind of help out our JV wholesalers through those. So we have one person that does that. And then we have one and a half transaction coordinator. So we have two basically transaction coordinators. But like I said, one has the role of the disposition liaison as well. And then we have a project a, manager, a project manager who what they do is just pull the list, upload it into the dialer, they handle communications with the virtual assistants, and then they help us with all the automations inside of our CRMs, you know, the Globy Flow, the Zapier, all that. Excel um, wizard. Excel freaking magician. Sure. Right? And then we have an operations manager who kind of helps us put out the fires, right? Because when you're doing 30, 40 deals a month, closing 30, 40 deals a month, I mean, there's a fire every hour, right? Hey, yep. closing is at two. Buyer hasn't sent the money yet. You know, what's going on? Seller hasn't, you know, closing is at two and seller hasn't answered our calls or title calls or, you know, what do we do? Whatever. Right. So helping us put out those fires. Like they know it's Halloween. They're ghosts. (laughs) They're they're, they're ghosts on it. (laughs) Yeah. And then we have our our, our HR manager who, you know, just oversees HR and payroll. Are they recruiting? And also, are they finding the people that you're looking for? They work with us to recruit the HR okay. manager. He does like the, the ads post, the initial group interviews and things like that. And then when it comes to a true candidate, 
you know, then, you know, I'll normally do most of the interviewing for those of G does some of the interviewing for those yeah. and then collectively we'll make a decision. But on that second interview with most of the, the candidates that we're looking to potentially hire, G does eventually speak and sit on, on most of those interviews. Awesome. Right. Let's like backpedal 48 months. Let's backpedal to 2017. Mm. You guys started. How do you go? How do you build something like this? Like before you guys did your first deal, were you yeah. guys partners or did you guys start this together? Were you guys both like independent islands that came together as like a nation? Like what happened? So I'm going to actually let you, cause you normally start that part of it. Cool. Yeah. Dom used to be my sugar daddy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so I used to work for a wholesaling business. I got into the game in 20 late 2014. Okay. Found a mentor and I offered to work for free for them, right? For and like two years, right? Yeah, yeah. So for about a year, I didn't get paid. And I just wanted to learn everything. And then after that, I you know, started doing deals under that company. And you know, probably did, I mean, 200 deals or more with that company. I was, it's funny because the reason I started off in one role, which was dispositions. Right. Yep. I had to sell the property. They would give me the properties and then I would sell the houses. Then I ran into the issue of they weren't in my market. I think you were like 18 or 19 years old, by yeah, the way. I was as well, 19. Right? Yeah. I was, was a young when I got dude. started. And so they were not in Jacksonville and they were marketing in Jacksonville, which is where I was at. So I was dispoing their properties in Jacksonville. But then I was getting, you know, feedback from my buyers. Hey, what the hell is this? What is that? Blah, 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 blah. So then I was like, hey, let me let me start helping you guys underwrite the deals, right? I can take the you know the feedback from my buyers. I'm learning the market. Let me start underwriting the deals. And so I would tell them where to lock it up and stuff like that. Yeah. Then they were paying a company to go take pictures of the properties and I needed money. Right. So I was like, yo, just pay me, you know, the money to take the pictures. And then I'll also get some insight because I'll be going to the property, you know, it'll help me sell it. So I was doing field underwriting and dispositions, you know, that, that's kind of how it evolved my role. And then it just got to the point where I, you know, and, and I'm still super good friends with everybody that I was at, um, in that last company. But, you know, I just got to the point where I was, I was just an entrepreneur and I met Dom cause he had rentals on the market. That's how me and Dom connected. I actually wholesaled a couple of Dom's properties that were turnkey rentals. So I had a, a turnkey investor who was looking to, you know, they, they weren't looking to buy properties that needed work. They were right. willing to pay a premium for properties that were ready to go, tenant occupied and stuff like that. So, you know, I was trying to find them through my wholesale company, but, you know, we're usually not targeting nice turnkey properties, right? So I resorted to the MLS and Dom had one or two properties on the MLS and then, you know, I made him an offer. We did one deal. Then I started asking about more properties. Dom had a portfolio of rentals. And so we, I ended up like selling like five, five properties of Dom's to this fund that I was working with. And that's the, you know, how me and Dom got connected. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So the answer is just a whole <clears throat> bunch of hustle. 
<laughs> oh, a just whole a, bunch of. I mean, uh, I mean, just a whole bunch of you connecting, seeing somebody, seeing somebody that you want to be like, saying, "Hey, listen, can I work with you? Can I work for you? Can I do something?" You're going for a year. During that year that you weren't getting paid, what were you doing? Living at your parents' house? Like you had a part-time job? Like how do you live a year without that getting was, paid? So my mentor had a a duplex on the beach, and the agreement was, "I'll work for you for free. You let me live in one side of the duplex." Awesome. And my parents own restaurants down in Sarasota, Florida and Bradenton, Florida. So on the weekends, I would just drive down to Sarasota and Bradenton, work at the restaurants, make some tips, come back up on Sunday nights, work during the week. And the reason why I wasn't getting paid is because I didn't want a specific role, Right. right? I just wanted to follow this guy around. So, you know, it wasn't always about wholesaling this, you know, my mentor, primarily it wasn't about wholesaling. Um, my mentor has a success, you know, he had a success, successful brokerage. He did high end sales on, you know, in St. Augustine on the beach and stuff like that. So that was his primary business. The reason me and this mentor connected was because I was the young guy who wanted to learn everything about wholesaling. He was a super busy real estate entrepreneur who dabbled a little bit in wholesaling. So he had the money, just not the time. And I was the guy who had all the time in the world, I was just like, yo, you already have all the programs. Let me just put it to work for you. And that's kind of how it evolved. And then with Dom, Dom had a a property preservation company. So basically when banks foreclose on a property, they hire a company that goes and changes locks, secures Mm -hmm. the property, cuts the grass, you know, they'll cut out, you know, any mold in the property. They just preserve the house, right? They do trash outs, whatever. Dom had a super successful company with that. And as the market got better and better and better, there was less and less and less foreclosures. And so Dom was looking for the next big thing, right? Dom was either going to start a property management company, do some other business ventures. And then it just so happened that I started wholesaling his rental properties. And Dom was super intrigued with what I was doing. And I was super intrigued because, you know, I sold this first property to my fund. And then you start to try to build a relationship with the seller, right? Because once I was like, oh, shit, he's got like seven other turnkey rental properties. I'm like, yeah, I got to I gotta milk this guy, right? So <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to build a relationship with Dom. And Dom knows that I'm looking for more properties. So Dom also wants me to buy, you know, his other properties because I was able to pay top dollar. Um, and when I was, you know, 19, I wasn't making 30 grand on a deal. You know, on Dom's deals, I just got paid flat $2,000 on every property I sold to this fund, yep. right? Yep. And so I was able to pay basically top dollar for his rental properties. So that wasn't hurting Dom at all. So Dom wanted me to keep buying his properties. I wanted Dom to keep giving me properties. So we just kept going out to lunch. Um, eventually, he let me visit his office. And, you know, I've always been interested in owning a business, Right. I'm not one of those guys that wants to have a, a, you know, nothing wrong with it. I just don't want to have a virtual business with, you know, VAs and, and what, like, I want to have a legit office, you know, a big sign out there. I want to have people in the office. And when I went to meet Dom at his office, that's what he had. Hmm. Dom had a successful business. He had employees running the business for him. And so that's what intrigued me into, partnering up with Dom, right? I had no idea about payroll, hiring, firing, taxes, whatever. You know, I was freaking, (laughs) 
when me and Dom first started hanging out, I couldn't, I couldn't drink beers. Right. So, um, I had no experience with that and I'd never been through corporate America. So I didn't, I, you know, I've never had a job. So I, I just didn't know really how the world worked in that aspect. I was just a hustler wholesaler basically. Yeah. 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 And what intrigued me about Gonzalo's process at the time, I wasn't really that much into real estate. I knew I wanted to own real estate. I knew I wanted to own rentals. I just wanted to build a portfolio and I wanted to have those hard assets. I wanted to to shelter some of my income. And I think I was up to about 21 rental properties at that point. And one of the transactions that I got into, it was with a wholesaler. And I didn't know it was a wholesaler at the time because I just wasn't that well-versed in, in real estate investing. So I get the, and by the way, this was like 2013, 2014. So like wholesaling wasn't what it is now either. Right. You know right. What I mean, it's right. Right. Yeah. This is before G and I met. Yeah. So I get, so I go to the property. I like, I like the property. I want to put an offer on it, put an offer. I come to an agreement. I start to get the paperwork and I see the assignment contract and I'd already had uh, probably had 10 or so rentals at the time. So I read through it. It made sense. And I didn't want to let this guy know that I didn't know what I was doing. So I just signed it. Yeah. I just signed it and sent it off. And then I, I did some more, um, some more inspecting. And I think I had a home inspector go and it, and it turns out that this in particular property was like riddled with termites, like at a very, very high level. And I just got scared and I didn't want to go through with the transaction. So I said to the guy, listen, I just want to cancel, you know, let's cancel it. Give me my 2k binder back or whatever. And and, uh, you know, he, he wound up keeping my binder. Actually, he was a decent guy. He gave half of it back, but I wound okay. up losing some binder to this guy. And then I did a, a bunch of research on his process. And then I found yeah. out what little, cause at that point in time, 2012, 2013, whatever it was, there wasn't that much information, especially compared to today in regards to wholesale on the internet. So whatever little bit I found out, I was super intrigued because I felt like wholesaling was the number one primary way, way to get deals by going direct to seller. And yeah. when I looked at wholesaling, I said, listen, if I'm going to get into this, I'm going to try to turn it into a business. And at that point in time, I was just so much into my other company. I said, listen, this is this could be overwhelming. It could be easy depending on what you want to do, but it could also be overwhelming if you want to build a company and you wanted to delegate and you wanted to operate whether you're there or not. And I just wasn't in a position at that time to really take on that project, although I was really eager to. So when G and I met up, um, we, we kind of clicked. You know, we became friends throughout the process of him locking me up and flipping my deals to his investor. And, um, and then, you know, after about six months, would you say about six months or so of us going through that, you know, experience, um, we proposed a partnership to each other. Yep. Awesome. And that was 2018. I mean, have you guys been rocking? Oh, that was 2017. It was about early 2017. Yeah. So, so you guys came into this with the experience. I mean, gee, you were you had the experience more from the wholesale side. Dom, you've been doing this for a while. You've been doing real estate. I mean, you've been you have your hands in real estate for a while, owning the properties and preserving the properties for the bank. I love that you said binder instead of earnest money. That's interesting. I love that. People mm-hmm. are like, what's a binder fee? I've never heard of that. <laughs> earnest money uh, is what he's talking about there. And so what do you guys do now? I mean, now you're, you're getting, you know, you said that you have nine VA cold callers. Is that your primary form of yes. lead generation? Or is there, yes. what, what all do you guys do? 
Cold calling is really probably 95. TTP, baby, all day. That's it, man. It's 95%, if not more now, because, you know, you know, some people want the reactive form of marketing where, you know, the, the leads are just driven to them. Where people call um, you. Where people right. call you, you know, yep. PPC, direct mail, stuff like that. We've done a lot of that. Cold calling has just been, yep. you know, so much more to us, especially when you, when you do it correctly, right? Mm-hmm. When you do it correctly and you have the right processes and the right qualifying method, the volume is in the cold call as far as what we've experienced and nothing right. even came close. Um, so, and I'm glad that we tested that out and learned that early on because we didn't start with cold calling. We started with direct mail. <clears throat> right. Right. It's night and day. I started calling as a real estate agent and I just thought everybody called because every industry called. And then right. I was, uh, you know, the door opened to uh, in my mind and what wholesaling was. And I, I'm discovering this. I'm like, why aren't people just calling any properties? And uh, here we are. You know what I mean? It's it's so effective to be proactive, to go out there and to have really good conversations with these distressed property owners. How do you find your phone prospectors? And when you say we do it right, what does that mean? So how do we find our phone prospectors? So we put ads out, put ads out on Craigslist in the countries that we target, whether it's the Philippines, it's uh, the Middle East or it's Central or South America. We put ads out on Craigslist in a lot of these different markets, and then we get interest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then we go through the interview process, and we part of our hiring process is also putting them on the dialer before we hire them. And what we do is we have them test call FISBOs for sale by owner leads. And the Love reason it. we do that is because they're very open to talking about their property to people. So we just get so much more substance from how the conversation goes. And if all that goes well, you know, it's one or two days of interviewing and testing them. And then if all that goes well, then we hire them and then pay starts. So we don't really, we don't really uh, pay them for that test period. And that's also kind of the training period as well. So we knock that out within a couple of days and then they're ready to just go to work. And are these guys like full time, like 40 hours a week? Like you guys are getting like almost 400 hours of calls in a week? Yeah, we're getting like 150,000 dials a week. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we, we have 44 leads today from cold calling. We're, we're big it. on metrics. That's why every time you ask me a question, I don't know if you see me like looking around. No, I see you looking around. Yeah, we I know the TV, monitors. We have TV screens yeah. all over our office that tell us these numbers because we're big on tracking everything. So like, you know, we're up to 11 contracts for this month so far. Mm-hmm. We're at 44 leads today, 125 leads this week. And then... Behind this, you can't really see it, but we have, we have a TV displaying live the dialer, right? The auto dialer. So that way we can see when our virtual assistants are on, you know, are you on a call? Are you in post call? Why the hell are you in post call for too long? Whatever, right? So we can see all that. Then we have another TV with um, our, our closed deals, how much we've made, how much we brought. Then we have a, a goal posted up there. Um, and we have like a little... Uh, speedometer trying to get to the goal. So we're almost there. Um, our goal for the year was three mil. Last year we did 1.7 and we're at 2.9. So we're definitely going to hit the goal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys are going to blast past that. And I, I think it's really interesting, you know, because it's about that. Even in my business, it's about, it, it depends. It depends on which list we're going after, but it's about uh, 30 to 45 leads per deal. Does that sound about right? Yes. Yeah. 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 For a closed deal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think that that's what's, what's really important for everybody out there as you are having conversations. And listen, that actually goes down if you're making the calls yourself. If you're making the calls yourself, it's about half that. It truly 100%. is. I think one out of 20 leads typically converts if you're making the calls yourself because you're going to filter harder than yeah. a, a phone prospector is or you're going to sink your teeth into it. Um, mm-hmm. So anybody out there making the calls themselves, typically it's about one to 20. Uh, so that's what you want to shoot for. But remember, when you close that one deal, and these guys are perfect examples, when you close that one deal, you're not replacing one lead. You're replacing 20 leads. In their right. business, in my business, you're replacing 30 to 45 leads. So mm-hmm. the engine always is going. We don't yep. shut down this engine because you shut down the engine. I mean, all momentum's lost. Right. And, and I'm happy you brought that up because one of the biggest things for us to scale, right, for anybody listening that's trying to scale is accepting the fact that, hey, this, this person, you know, is going to need double the amount of leads to do what I can do. Yep. Right. And just accepting that, acknowledging that. And then now the game becomes, how can I give them more leads? Right. And then same with your acquisition manager. You know, the VA isn't going to perform like me. My acquisition manager is not going to perform like me. My disposition manager, you know, in the beginning. And then now they've been here over time. Dude, my closers are way better than me. My dispo guys are way better than me. And it takes time for sure. And it takes time. But, you know, really, really accepting that accepting that hey they're not going to do as good as you yep that's part of hiring right and even if they do 50 percent of what you can do you get three people doing 50 percent of what you can do now you're already way past what you can do and then you just keep going and keep and now it just becomes a game right um so for us you know our next big hire is is a cfo Right. Mm-hmm. We, we want to bring somebody in who all they do all day is high level numbers on, you know, marketing stats, but not just marketing stats, just employee stats. How many properties did we market in order to sell it? And then, you know, closings, how many closings and transactions fall through due to title, fall through due to this, fall through due to that. Right. So that's our next big hire is but uh, also financial stats right right right, right. profit and loss statements uh i mean not that we don't already do that but if we had someone internal we can truly deep dive into the meticulous intricacies of why the numbers are where they are we'll catch things i mean it'll improve the bottom line for for sure yeah absolutely and and you know you look at you know, when you look at a phone prospector, even with your acquisition managers and your junior acquisition managers, how much have they brought in? How much have they closed? Is there right. a scoreboard? Do they get to see this? Do you have a transparent company or is it something that you want them to just kind of do their thing and you show them the numbers every once in a while? I always think transparency right. is the best. You show them I and you guys have, obviously do. You got it on the walls. So, I mean, it's from an accountability standpoint that, listen, if this whole company moves towards this goal, this is going to, like, we can all do this. This is going to benefit Mm -hmm. everybody. Everybody wins if we hit this goal, but we need everybody pushing in the right direction. And if you're not, we're going to have to replace you. I mean, that's what it is. It's funny that you said that because one of the things we were worried about about putting display boards up is making someone feel bad that they're not performing as well as yep. someone else is performing. But really it just, it kind of puts out this form of accountability and pushes them to be a better version of themselves. 
So if they can stay there when no one's watching them and do 20 calls a day, when the requirement's 100 calls a day, they're probably going to get closer to 70 or 80 Yep. Um, with the accountability. So it's really like, it's really improved the performance of the team. <clears throat> yep. And by putting the, the goal up, the all-encompassing goal that we're all chasing, people talk about it. People yeah. get excited about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they want to know what's going to happen when we hit that $3 million mark. What's going to happen on that day? Right. You know, is right. Ronald McDonald going to jump out from behind the curtain? Like, right. Right. yeah, people are kind of eager, you know, and they talk about it and they push toward it and they, they want to be a lot better. You know, and that's it, one of the it, big it, things. It's team building. If there's not a, a shared struggle, a shared work, a shared like we got to put this in so that everybody benefits. You get that kind of culture, that kind of environment where you have that optimism and you have that positivity and you have that enthusiasm and energy. You can certainly have that kind of hardcore accountability. It's just like raising kids, right? They, every book that they that, that you read says, you know, you got to put boundaries. Boundaries are like the guardrails on a bridge that keep them safe, make them feel safe, that they know what they're doing is right and they, they feel protected. It's the same thing with a team. You build that culture, you build, build that optimism all baked in to hitting the goals that you have. Man, that's a powerful company. A Absolutely. Powerful company. So, Absolutely. And one of the, go ahead. Uh, go, well, I was just going to say one of the, the bigger biggest challenges, too, of growing this team is, uh, you know, G has uh, done a bunch of wholesale deals before, as, as he said. And I had a, a really good company prior to this one. But I never hired and grew a sales staff. It was uh, more of an operational kind of company. I was the salesperson that got the big contracts with with the national um, institutions and stuff like that. Never really had to have a sales team like this, and that's been our our biggest challenge. So with the hiring process is really, especially for sales, it's opened our eyes to just not settling for anything less than great people. Right, uh, and that's been a game changer for us. It took us like two two to three years to right. learn that processes aren't going to uh, just organize themselves. They're not going to be the driver for how your company performs. Great people. Yeah. Totally agree. Gee, break down a deal. Let's break down. Let's put you in the hot seat a little mm. bit. Break down a mm. deal that you guys want to talk about. We're going to talk about how you found it, what you did, what the what the condition of it was, with the timeline, with their motivation, what price you got it in. And then we're going to ring this victory bell when you tell us how much you made on it. Ooh. All right. Mm-hmm. So I have one deal that I, I that I always talk about, right? And it's the deal that has stuck with me the most. So we we had a deal. So like Dom said, we do a lot of a lot of marketing, mainly cold calling, right? But the deal that I want to talk about today, we actually didn't get from cold calling. Okay. Um, we got through a, a service. A, it's a PPC service. It's a, it's a PPC service. Paper right? click. So, yep. Yep. Paper click. So we got a pay per click lead. It was a, a an older gentleman who was who was getting sick. He actually had a like like a stroke in the middle of the transaction. So he was just you know getting there. His family wanted him to sell the house. It got to the point where he couldn't really take care of himself. So he just needed to you know sell the house, right? And so that's where we came in, right? We called him up. And the reason why I bring up this deal is because there's a great story behind it, but. Like you said, when we you know last spoke um, on our show was dispositions, the power of maximizing dispositions, right? And so what this guy needed because of what he owed, if our disposition team wasn't as strong as it is, this deal wouldn't work, 
right? And that's why a lot of people couldn't, you know, he couldn't sell the house because he owed too much, right? right. And most wholesalers are running their numbers with, you know, the 70% rule minus repairs and, and you know, they're running the flip numbers. Sure. But in this neighborhood, this could be a rental property, right? And so with our disposition team and us selling to landlords, buy and hold investors, right? The connections that we have on the dispo side, we were able to make the deal work, right? So we put the property under contract and we had our field manager go out there, met the guy, took pictures, and then we had to do the showings, right? So we had to bring by our our investors. So we got the property under contract um, and I'm going to pull it up here. Wait, we got the property under contract for 68,000. Okay. Right, 68,000. And was it, it was it in decent condition? I mean, was it something that was kind of like a cosmetic rehab or is yeah. it something that, you know, you need to oh my god, like I need to It was it wasn't it wasn't a full rehab. Yeah. A full rehab wasn't needed. You know, the guy was still living in there. So it was it was okay. Cosmetic to uh mid rehab. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so it was kind of a perfect deal for a, a rental owner, right? A landlord, right? Because landlords really don't like to do major renovations to their properties, right? So it was it was a solid brick house, not in the best neighborhood of Jacksonville, but you know, we make our money in those neighborhoods, right? Sure. And so we start, you know, showing the property to some investors. And Dom actually went out to the property one time. Were you showing buyers the property? Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. So Dom was showing buyers the property. So we have, you know, we have a field manager here, but sometimes when the field reps, we have, you know, multiple appointments at one time. So me or Dom will cover the field. So Dom was covering the field. Nice dude. And there's these big pit bulls on the front porch, two big pit bulls. So Dom goes out there, you know, whatever, plays with the dogs, shows the property. Those buyers ended up not wanting it. And then the dude has a stroke, the seller. And so he's super hard to get on the phone now. Um, you know, he's always sleeping, which is understandable, right? Yeah. Um, he's always resting. He's always sleeping. And so he's super hard to get on the phone. And we have one client that we sell a lot of properties to, and they wanted to go look at it. So, you know, we're calling the guy up. He finally answered. He's like, yeah, well, you know, we'll do the appointment tomorrow at X time. That day comes up. And I know this guy's flaky, right? The seller. So I'm calling him that day to try to confirm the appointment. He's not answering. He's not answering. He gave me his word that he was going to be there. So I go anyway. And I told the buyers the appointment was confirmed. He'll be there, right? So he's not answering. He's not answering. I get to the property this time, right? Because I had to cover it. And there's these big two pit bulls on the front porch, right? And the buyers were there. The buyers were there too. Sure. Two or three. And there's two big pit bulls on the front porch just sitting there tied up to the front porch. And I'm honking the horn, right? I'm calling the guy. He's not answering. I'm honking the horn for him because I can't go <laughs> knock the door because there's two big ass pits. Oh, I'm sorry. But Don't knock two, that door. Two pit bulls there, right? Yeah. And so and we got on the phone too. Yeah. So I called Dom. I was like, yo, there's these pit bulls here. Like, should I just go knock on the door? And I told him, I said, gee, yeah, they're fine, man. Yeah. I said, the pit bulls are fine. I had buyers over there already. I was petting them. I walked in, I walked out. The guy said they might look intimidating, but they're babies. Don't worry Got about it. it. I've already been through it. You can just go ahead, give yeah. him the green yeah. light. Classic. So as I'm getting closer, you know, to 
get to the door, the dogs are growling, whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, there's no freaking way. So I just start yelling, whatever. Long story short, the dude ends up opening the door, right? The owner opens the door. At this time, I was at the street because my buyers don't want to go anywhere near the property because these these literally mean looking dogs, right? So I'm like at the street talking to the buyers, talking about, you know, hey, we're going to have to reschedule. I apologize, blah, 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 blah. And then the door opens up. So I, you know, go to the property. And so the door is in front of me. There's a front porch with steps up to the front porch. And I'm at the bottom of the steps. And I'm looking at the owner. It looked like he had just woken up. And he, and I was just like, hey, Mr. Seller, you know, remember we had the appointment at four o'clock. Is there any way we could still come by? And he was like, oh, man. he's like in his boxers, right? He was like, oh, do you have to? I was like, please, this will be the last time we have to come in. Um, you know, we'll be in and out, whatever. So he's like, okay, okay, come in. So he opens up because there's a like a metal security door, right? So he has his door and then he has to open up the metal security door. So he opens that door up. At this point, I'm not even thinking about the dogs, right? Because now the owners here, the dogs have calmed down and, you know, the owner's literally telling me, come, all right, come on in, come on in. So I'm at the porch. The buyers are still scared of the dog. So they're kind of at a distance, right? Smart. And I'm telling them like, hey, we're good. You know, come on, come on. So I start walking up the porch. One dog comes and smells me. Fine, whatever. The next dog comes up to smell me, bites my leg. Oh, yeah. Just latches on, right? Just latches on this big white pit bull. Oh, it's got to be just, yes. just latches on. And I'm just freaking out. Right. I'm wearing jeans. He bit through my jeans. The owner is freaking out. He's trying to pull the dog because he was tied <laughs> up to the porch. Just trying yeah. to pull the dog off of me. The owner's hitting the dog with a cane, right? Trying to get the dog off of me. I don't know what to do. I don't want to like hit the dog because I'm scared he's going to like bite my hand or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and he was on there for like probably a good like 20 seconds. Yeah, he was just like 20, 30 seconds. He's just there. He, I'm like pulling, but not pulling too hard so that he doesn't right. like rip off a chunk yeah, of my yeah, leg. Yeah, yeah. And there was a little, little tiny moment where he just like kind of let go to like get another bite in. And when he let go, I just moved my leg and I was just out. Luckily, he was tied up to the porch. Yeah. So we couldn't let chase. And also, luckily, the other dog didn't att- like happen to just be watching. Right. He didn't back his brother up. Yeah, yeah. Well, he knew well, he, he knows his brother's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, the buyers bought the property. Wow! I rushed to the well. I rushed to the ER. You Got know, whatever they clean it up. There was a cop at a stoplight, and I was just zooming. If I was, I was like, if there's one time that I can speed to the hospital, it's right. This is the one sure. time. If I get pulled over, I can justify it. Yeah. So I, I get to a light. There's a cop there. And I roll my window down and I tell the cop, hey, I literally just got bit by a dog. Is there any way I can run this light? And he was like, are you serious, man? I was like, yeah, I can show you my leg right now. He's like, all right. So he turned on his lights, blocked the uh, road, and then yep. he just let me go. So awesome. I went and got to the hospital. I had to do like rabies shots because I called the owner and I was like, hey, is that dog up today on his shots? He was like, no, he's not. So I had to do this rabies shot treatment. It was just a whole thing. But the good news is the buyer still bought the property. And we we had the property for sixty eight. We ended up selling it for like seventy five. Or no, I'm sorry, eighty five. But after like the hospital fees, we ended up like netting eight grand. And I tried to <laughs> and I tried to go back to the owner and renegotiate and stuff like that, but he couldn't because he didn't have the room. He didn't like he owed 
like he yeah. didn't walk away with any money. Yeah. So it was either like, do I sue the guy to get money, pay for my hospital bills? Like this guy has nothing. You know no. what I mean? Um, no, that'd be a waste of time. Yeah. And yeah. now every day at about three p.m., G foams from the mouth. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's, that's, right. hey, that's why you have to have a Corona at six. At wipe six, their yeah, corner yeah, of yeah, your yeah. mouth. Yeah, doctors, yeah. doctors' orders. Well, congratulate yeah. eight thousand. Here we go. So I and I yeah, say that awesome. story not to intimidate people, right? Because it's never <laughs> I to I mean, any. I've met hundreds of wholesalers. Have heard about hundreds of deals, and I've never heard of anybody getting bit by a dog at a property. Not so like that. Doesn't nope. happen, right? Doesn't usually happen. Not by uh, pit bulls. I've been bitten like by the small little white crusty dogs. You know what I mean? Uh, okay, like, okay. Uh, Chihuahuas. Little, uh, I don't know what those things are, but ankle, ankle biters. Like a Pomeranian or something. Anyway. Right, right, right. Uh, well, guys, how do people find you? How do people, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to be in your world? Um, I know that you guys are the cash geeks. Uh, is that the best? What, what's the best way for people to communicate with you guys? Yeah. So, I mean, the best way is probably just our Instagram handles. So I'm real Dom Felix. He's real Gonzalo Corzo. Yep. Just hit us up on Instagram. If anyone wants to chat or reach out to us or just follow anything that we post. It'll be in the show notes as well, guys. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for sharing. I mean, just an inspiration closing 239 deals, close to 3 million this year. You guys are going to blow past uh, blow past what your goal is. And it sounds like you've got an unbelievable culture and unbelievable business there. So I'm sure people are going to reach out, maybe want to take an office tour, meet you guys or, or, oh, yeah. uh, you know, if you guys do, do you guys do meetups? Do you guys do anything like that? Not no, really. Not we did before, but once COVID yep. hit, we stopped and then we forced us to take it virtual. And then that's just been awesome. So we yeah. just kind of stayed doing that. But we're always, I mean, we're in Jacksonville, Florida. We're an open book. We do open up our office doors to anybody. Uh, awesome. So anybody can just come in, do a quick meeting. We help other wholesalers sell their deals. So, you know, we can work together like that on JV deals. Um, yeah, man, we're, we're, we're just trying to do more deals through others. That's, that's what we've realized is we, we're never going to capture 100% of the market. Right. We have to, you know, grow strategic partnerships. And there's there's more than more than enough deals out there for everybody. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Well, thank you guys for being on the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. What an inspiration. And for everybody out there that is interested in joining the most proactive group in real estate investing, it is the TTP family. It is the TTP program. Go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP. That's wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP. I'm going to show you who to talk to, what to say and how to be efficient, and I'll work with you personally. I really look forward to that. So go to the website. If it feels good in your gut, sign up for a call. I look forward to hearing from you and working with you. And that's it, guys. Uh, as always, I mean, what an inspiration. I mean, this is this is four years. They did this all over a four-year span together. You know, obviously, they've been in the business for a while, but uh, over the last four years, really have been on a rocket ship, and it is absolutely possible. You can do this business, but it starts with taking Taking action. So I'm going to close this podcast like I always do, encouraging you to go out there and talk to people. Love you guys. See ya. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. 
We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.